shining phone on your lap, Ian. I sure do. Welcome to the CU Podcast post-Comic-Con edition for Tuesday, July 23rd. What? 2019. A few weeks away from Ian's birthday. Oh, it is. It's Ian Ferguson. Hi. I'm Pat Contry. On the show, we're talking about the MCU Phase 4 reveal. A class action lawsuit against good old Nintendo? Or Uncle Nintendo? GTA Online Casino opens. I'm not, that's not going to be problematic, I'm sure. Google Stadia update. Pat might have uh, got a rare game. Uh, and a Patreon. Poll topic may be a Q&A. Ian, Comic-Con, came and gone. That kind of rhymes a little Comic-Con bit. Comic-Con came and gone. Did you get anything good? I bought, uh, I bought the... Uh... The first and I believe last appearance of the proletarian. What's the proletarian? Uh, <laughs> the proletarian is Colossus, uh, convinced that um, he needs to be wearing red linen pajamas. Okay, so he's 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 <laughs> Kami Colossus. Yes, it he's was Kami Colossus. It it, it, it was a, a segment of an arc of uh, the X Men are in like one of those arcade dungeons, you know, arcade the yeah the arcade guy yeah the wild guy and. Yeah. Uh, Basically, someone, it's not like brainwashing, someone talks to and convinces Colossus that the X-Men are no good, and he becomes the proletarian, and then he fights the X-Men for a while, but then, like, Storm and, um, (laughs) Storm (laughs) and Cyclops are like, no, no, but wait, you're our friend. He's like, you're right, I am your friend. Doesn't matter, you're you're evil capitalist. (laughs) Sounds like Colossus is like... Like a majority of the uh, college uh, freshmen I knew back in the day, you know, you, you take one class and think you know the worldview. But the good Colossus came back to the to the right side there. But anyways, you know? it's the hero that we deserve. Um, I, I don't think pro- I, I, proletarian. I, I, I want a commie Colossus, <laughs> uh, but it's got a great cover. It's Colossus in his linen pajamas. So it was, a, it was just a one shot issue. I, I mean, it's part of a longer issue, but yeah, the whole proletarian thing is kind of just a one one. And wow, done, Colossus yeah. is that easy to convince? You know that is that is politics and stances on <laughs> economics. I also God. got uh, I mm-hmm. I got a Kitty Pride's bedtime stories. Uh, there's an issue. There's a Kitty Pride issue. There's an X Men issue where it's one of those issues that just like it's an interlude in between what's normally going on and the X Men sit around and tell like bedtime stories. Oh, okay. It's the first appearance of the Bamps, the little tiny cute little tiny cute night crawlers. I don't think I've ever seen those in a comic, but all right. And I bought some horror comics. Oh. You, you and James com- commiserate on lo- your love of uh, horror and Dracula. J- James bought a few of the uh, Tomb of Draculas. He's into those. I was thinking about but buying them, but I, I think we, t- we I think it, you, you and Frank suggested to find a trade paperback that has them all collected. I didn't buy a trade paperback this year. It's the first time in many years. And while there still are some, there's not those two big places there used to be that I used to go buy them at. Uh, so, so it's like the one where Stanley used to show up at, that place doesn't sell those anymore. I don't think they even have a booth. But um, I used to sp- spend two hours looking through those thousand uh, plus uh, trade paperbacks. So I didn't uh, see any shortage of them. But now that you mentioned that, place isn't there. There's there a place there that was there. against the back wall that used to be there that I used to stop at all the time. But that big one I just told you about hasn't been there for a couple of years, and that's where everyone would out in the open would go and, and, and look at them. I buy stuff from there every year. I would spend time looking for Frank, uh, looking for the Marvel masterpiece ones, and the, and and they don't have it anymore. So the problem with that is that. Um, there's less and less of those out there, uh, and you go you go to like Torpedo, you don't get those like heavy heavy discounts that you do at like the places like that where it's like fifty percent off. And so, Torpedo is all fifty percent uh, off to start. Okay, then they don't have they don't have the selections of other places because they have mostly newer stuff. They don't have the older stuff from like five, six, ten years ago. That that's the juice. I want like the the, the collection of like you know 
uh, X-Men from like the 60s or 70s or, or, you know, Avengers from the 60s. That's the stuff that I look for. And maybe like, you know, I got like uh, the, the whole Demon in a Bottle Iron Man trade paperback one or two years ago or, or uh, Streets of Poison, Captain America going around with Diamondback, you know, fighting off drugs on the street. You know, it's like a late 80s, early 90s yeah. Captain America anti-drug store. You know, stuff like that. That's the stuff I look for there. But we had fun. Uh, I, I mentioned Frank, but not, not Frank Cifaldi. So Frank Cifaldi got to hang around with Frank Cifaldi, trying to buy up every video game comic he could uh, at, at the convention. The Valiant, uh, Nintendo Comics, and Captain N. And also looking for, like, the weird uh, the weird stuff that I never even heard of. Well, that was him and know. Bonnie's, like plan that was the goal was the goal was to go find the comics because he didn't have a bunch of them and she did so they went around and anything they found that bonnie didn't have frank bought they said frank bought it first and i bought i bought a few when i no, was anything like, bonnie already had frank bought i thought you said frank bought that's what yeah. I said. um and so i bought a few comics and then i did buy i make i made a purchase we'll talk about later at the show this was the first time that um, not the first time that Seal Video Games were represented at some of the, the bigger comic auction booths, but they had not been there for a couple of years. And I told you a few years ago they were there, and then they weren't. They tried to worm it in with um, VGC, but it didn't work. It didn't take off. Now, being that WADA launched last year, and now there's a lot of stuff with Heritage Auction and Certified Link, and those guys show up there, Heritage and Gold Comic Link, Certified Link. They had on display next to comics built in Great, uh, a sealed, graded, not always a sealed, just graded video games, including one like, you know, what, like, um, what was the one? Uh, Urban Champion estimated pre auction price that comes 15000 and up for, for, a, you know, for, a, for an Urban Champion. And that's just what they do to pump up the price and get it going. I even talked, actually, the guy was nice. I said, really? I said 15000 He's like, well, it's just a price estimate. That's not based on anything, obviously. Yeah. It's absolutely based on nothing. And maybe, maybe we'll go for 15000 up for an Urban Champion. I just know how many Urban Champion people out there are going to spend that much on that game, you know, uh, for that. But that's Urban what... Champion people. There's like five less of those than there are Clue Clue Land people, which uh, means I, that there's negative that, four. I, I, I think it's neck and neck. <laughs> They're running for the Urban Champion versus Clue Clue Land fan club. Clue Clue Club. Anyway, so um, there was like three or f- three places that had games there. Uh, e- even stuff just like it wasn't even like sealed stuff. It was just like oh, like a complete in box graded Metroid. It wasn't even sealed. You know, like seven It was just strange for me to see that. And I get into heated discussions with people about it's not the same as 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 uh, comic books. I'm trying to explain why that each system is different. It has its niches and what's rare, what's not. And actually, one of the comic guys agreed with me, saying, "No, oh, it's not like comic books." But the but the one person trying to convert me and get me to like grade all my stuff, who actually even offered to come over and buy stuff that weekend, I said, oh, "No, that's not happening." But it, it's all in good fun. It's all in good spirits um, there. Uh, in, in terms of how it felt, it's always going to be busy, just because Comic Con now, you know, it's an equal number of people in each four days. That's how they sell the tickets now. So it's always busy, even on a Sunday. It just felt more subdued on the outside to me. It felt like there was. A little, just slightly less bustle going on outside, like the stuff set up outside than well, previous years. That I mean, but that that's an obvious result of them just banning the majority of front-facing traffic. Oh, sure. But I'm talking about, like, uh, you didn't hear about, the, was there a Sonic party this year? Uh, sci-fi wasn't there. There wasn't, like, a, a big adult 
uh, swim uh, carnival like previous years set it, up. The carnival was a different thing this it was year. Was different thing this year. There's, there's still a carnival. Okay, um, there's I still missed a bunch that. of setups. As a matter of fact, out front looked really crushed to me. It's just you know some of the tried and true things. But it, it seemed like there was more space. Looking just from my eyeballs, like there was more space. There wasn't like all, there wasn't like you know like a South Park, you know big big funhouse thing set up. You know, in the space that usually were going to be used. Now if you go a block down, there was some still some stuff. There was like an Amazon Prime parking lot that was you know cordoned off, and they were they had stuff. There was still like the Picard, uh, you know, museum thing in Conan comes. It just seemed like slightly. I want to say like it was like dead, but it seemed like it was slightly subdued. I mean, Warner Brothers wasn't even at the at the event uh, this year. There wasn't. Um, there was less huge, I think, surprise stuff happening than usual. We kind of knew what every almost everything that was going to be there, except for the Marvel stuff. Oh, we knew all the Marvel stuff. That was all rumored, except for one thing. Well, yeah, all rumored, but, but I mean, I mean they hadn't it announced was he- it. Heavily rumored. Let's talk, you want to talk about Marvel real quick? We'll sure. talk about Marvel. Yeah, go as for it. As quick as we can. Uh, oh, let's talk about it real quick. Top Gun 2 trailer came out. It looks really good. It looks better than it should be for a Top Gun movie 30 plus years later. Film in our backyard here. Film, filming in San Diego, Miramar. It's where, I don't think Top Gun School is in Miramar anymore, but it used to be. Just north of here. 20 minutes. Uh, the Picard series looks uh, good as well. I didn't see the trailers for those. It looks like it shot beautifully. It looks like it shot like a movie. I know it, that it he has beautiful. a dog, so that's, that's he's got important. A dog? He's, he's got a dog. That's he's got important. No, Car's on a cat person. That's Data. Data comes back in the Car series. So yeah, I noticed that. So does Riker, that. supposedly. So, all right. So, MCU Phase 4. Lots of properties to discuss, both between the movies and um, the Disney Plus service, which is launching this fall. I thought this fall is going to have at least one Marvel show. Looks like it's not. It's going to be next year, but there's a lot of stuff going on here. So we'll just run through this list from this uh, Entertainment Weekly uh, article. The first thing that we know is coming that they're shooting right now is Black Widow, which will obviously be a prequel to her. To her. Spoilers, dying. I'm guessing it's probably going to have like some flashbacks, but it might. Maybe it takes place uh, during the blip in the five years. That's what I'm going to guess. It'll probably, you know, yeah. have her dealing with stuff and blah, 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 blah. So that's, like, going to be her send-off. She deserved a, a standalone movie. She was the first, uh, you know, female uh, superhero in the MCU. Going back to 2010's uh, mediocre as hell Iron Man 2. The only reason that movie should ex- it really exist in retrospect was to introduce uh, Black Widow. There was nothing else of, of substance, substantial... Substance. Substance, yeah. You, if you want to say... Um, a Don Cheadle being recast. That's about it as War Machine. Like, that's it. There was no other reason for that movie to exist. It has no ties to anything, really. Um, so that'll be fun. Probably. Okay. Falcon and Winter Soldier. This is probably one of the I'm most excited about. This is going to be a series. Yeah, I think this will be fun. Uh, this is fall 2020. They have good chemistry. Uh, Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan. Uh, they're like opposites. It's almost It's almost like, honestly, it's, it's, like, it's like Lethal Weapon, but superheroes. That's probably what it's going to be. You know, one more straight laced and one more sort of edgy and ready to kill someone anytime. That's basically what it's going to be. Uh, so I'm I'm excited about that, and I, and I and I like the like Falcon's one of my favorite sort of B characters in the MCU. Uh, oh, and then they're bringing back Baron Zemo. Uh, well, now officially Baron Zemo. That was the big oh, nice. thing too. That was the one thing that um, people that was probably a surprise. So I remember his name was just Zemo. In um in Civil War, excellent villain because he was just a guy who was smart and had a plan. And yeah, now he was fantastic. And now they're going to give him probably the hooded mask and have an organization. So that that's good. That that's that's a bread and butter, you know, Captain America uh, villain that doesn't get talked about a lot. 
Uh, so that's good. Uh, the Eternals, Eternals, not too excited about it since I don't, I don't know much about it. That's a cosmic uh, group of really old people. That, well, they're Eternals. <laughs> they're superheroes. Do you know much about the Eternals? No, but I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be something interesting. It's just a fresh fresh license, something that I don't know much about. So I, it'll be exciting for me to go into it and see something new. So that's 2020, November 6th. So, so you only have, looks like there's no other movie this year. So you only had... You had three MCU movies this year, if you count Far From Home, which is basically what on par for what they've been doing, two to three. And then we have, have a big gap now between there's nothing going to be in the fall, nothing going to be in the spring until uh, Black Widow in May. So that's kind of weird to have like a, almost like a nine-month a nine sort of layoff, ten-month layoff in between movies uh, there. So you got The Eternals, November 2020. Uh, Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, February 2021. Uh, we knew this was coming. Um, so this was a big comic in the seventies, uh, got started with the big, you know, the Kung Fu and karate stuff got big in the seventies and pop cultures. Uh, this was, this was a comic alongside Iron Fist that was out there. I didn't read much of it. Uh, so this would be the first, uh, Asian superhero, uh, movie we get here. Um, they cast, uh, Simu Liu. I'm not familiar with him at all. Uh, but the big thing is that the, the Mandarin is going to be the villain. So, which is interesting because you had the fake Mandarin, Mandarin and Iron, Iron Man, Man 3, 3, and people were pissed about that. So it's just weird that now that Iron Man's gone, you're not going to have Iron Man versus Mandarin, but they're going to somehow bring it back into the fold uh, with the Ten Rings. Because remember, the Ten Rings in Iron Man 1, that, that, was, the, that was the terrorist group. So like they, they set it up. They just never followed through with it, which is why yeah. people were pissed off about Iron Man 3. I still liked Iron Man 3. I loved Iron um, Man 3. I thought it was fantastic. And they actually retconned that the Mandarin exists in a, in a short film that they put out for that... Uh, Iron Man 3 DVD where he, Ben Kingsley is in prison and then he finds out that they're coming for him like the real Mandarin. So they kind of massage and said, okay, we know we kind of went too far and so he, he still exists out there so they're going to use it. Uh, WandaVision, which is probably the worst name. but I love the uh, name. I mean, how about Scarlet I, Vision? Would that have been better? <laughs> I think it's hilarious. Uh, they're probably going to change the name, yes. I would guess. That's I just not, think it's funny. Sounding. That's not coming until spring 2021. So that's a good over year and a half away uh, there. So that's going to be obviously Vision, who's going to come back, and uh, Scarlet Witch is going to be in the series. Olsen, Elizabeth Olsen said it's going to get weird. All right. Um, all right. That's going to be interesting. That's going to lead directly into Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness in I May 2021. So this is going to be probably a mind F of a movie, uh, most likely. It's looking like it's and- probably going to touch on horror. I mean, the. Uh- the announcement thing they did even looks like the cover to um, Clive Barker's "The Mouth of Madness." Oh, really? I didn't see that. Okay, I, I didn't see the poster. It. It's it's so so, and then this is going to have basically Scarlet Witch as a co-star uh, in it as well. So it's like a team-up movie. And if you're if you're going to have a way to, we'll just say, pull in other properties you might purchase, this could be a way to do it. Maybe there's going to be a rift in the multiverse and whatever else, and then something weird happens, and then it brings in other things. Because we thought it might happen w- with the end game and the snap. Uh, uh, that was that was a theory, uh, but they you know they brought up the multiverse in the first Doctor Strange movie, so they're, they're capitalizing on it here. And remember, this is going to be the first the first Doctor Strange movie came out already what two years ago? Uh, two and a half. I feel like it's even longer than that. Well, yeah. It was after Civil War. It was end of 2016. It's almost been three years. So that's that's a five-year layoff in between sequels. Wow. But that's how the MCU rolls. They don't do a whole two- to three-year thing on these movies sometimes. Uh, Loki, spring 2021. That'll be fun. It's going to be the Loki that we saw in Endgame that escapes from, from Avengers in 2012. 
and, and I so there's still a Loki. Everyone loves Loki. It, it'll be fun. Uh, so you find out what happened to him after he escaped with the uh, Tesseract, right? Uh, okay. Uh, a what if animated series, summer 2021. That that'll should, be fun. That'll be fun. Yes. Because they're not going to do a movie like oh you know what if you know. Uh, what if Ben Parker survived? What would happen to Spider-Man? Like, so that's something that'll be fun, and that'll be again. This is all on Disney Plus. Uh, Hawkeye Fall of 2021. That'll be interesting. That's a big layoff for Hawkeye, but uh, all right, we're waiting two years plus for that at this point. But that'll be interesting, and that that might be probably the last time you see Jeremy Renner. Maybe we don't know, but it's good that they ha- they find a space for these characters. You know, if they're not going to be co-starring in, in any movies because we don't have any Avengers movies on the docket at all for, right. for Phase Four. Um, so that'll be fun, and they're going to bring in uh, Kate Bishop, uh, who also, I guess, that happened in the comics as well. You had the Hawkeye Hawkeye Junior come in at some point. So okay, that's going to be awesome. That's going to be real cool. The I like Hawkeye when when um, he works with with Bishop. Okay. Uh, and then Thor: Love and Thunder is not coming until November 2021. I'm into it. So that's a that's a that's a four year layoff in between sequels, which was about it was about four years in between the second and third. It was yes, four years exactly. So this is going to be uh, uh, Taika Taika Waititi returning to direct. Um, and it's going to have uh, Tessa Thompson coming back as Valkyrie. And then um, it's going to have Natalie Portman. This is probably going to want to be tick off, some, tick off some people. That Natalie Portman's coming back as Jane Foster and going to be wielding Thor's hammer like she did in the comics. Um, so that's going to be interesting. It'll be, a, you know, I, I love Thor Ragnarok. Uh, so that'll be interesting as well. It's going to be interesting to see how the, what the dynamic's going to be. If, if it's going to be Thor willingly giving it over or... Or he's depressed and she takes it over because he can't do it anymore. Is this going to be a way to write him out of the MCU or what have you? It's going to be interesting to see what direction they take it. Yeah, I'm looking there. forward to that probably more than any of them at this point. Yeah, that's going to be... And, and it's weird because Natalie Portman said she was done with these movies. Well, yeah, and, that's what I was about to ask. But like a year but, ago, she was like, no, I'm finished. She yeah, like she, she was, was finished. At, at, and, and the footage for her in Endgame was all B-roll stuff yeah. that they, they use. So... I guess they figure we'll give you a good role. Yeah, here. what the hell got her back? I mean, well, she gets to be Thor. She, yeah. she gets to, but but it'll be interesting because you know it was it was actually pretty funny at, the, at Thor Rodden at the beginning. They mentioned the breakup off screen. Like, yeah, we broke up. Like, oh, she broke up with you. Loki was trying to tease him. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. It, like I said, it'll be interesting. Like like uh, Chris Hemsworth has been absolutely magical. Uh, the past few years as Thor, once they may, like sort of unshackled him and let him be his own personality, not just like Shakespearean Thor, right? For the first one, he, he's been he's been he's been like the glue that's held together a lot of these movies as they come along. And, and Tessa Thompson has, has been fantastic as well. Then the one surprise, the one thing that we had no idea was happening, uh, Blade being announced with Mahershala Ali uh, playing Blade. He kind of looks like Wesley Snipes a little bit, uh, Oscar winner outstanding actor I still have to see him in True Detective season 3 uh, he obviously uh, was in uh, season 1 of Luke Cage as a villain so now the joke is that 2 out of 3 villains from Luke Cage have been in MCU movies uh, but but uh, the third one won't probably uh, Cottonmouth <laughs> probably won't be so that's going to be interesting I almost think that Blade though works better as a, a series even though that TNT one didn't do well that was probably low budget but um yeah, that was a big, the big, uh, sort of the big reveal. 
And then other than that, we know that Captain Marvel 2 is coming. We know that Black Panther 2 is coming. Guardians of the Galaxy. We know Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is going to come eventually because now he's got to work on shitty Suicide Squad. And then obviously there's going to be a third Spider-Man movie, but that's not really Marvel's thing. That's really Sony. So, you know, I, I would suggest we would probably see, uh, obviously in Phase 4 there's going to be a Spider-Man movie, whether it's going to be two years or three years. Uh, we'll see. I would guess two years. They've been on a two-year track on these movies. Just, there's no reason to think that it won't be. So, anyways, that's that's exciting. Plus, we got D twenty three next month, and so I'm sure they'll talk about yeah. other things, including the one thing mentioned at the end, Ian, when they said, "Well, we don't have time to talk about Fantastic Four. We don't have time to talk about mutants." That's what uh, that's what they said at the panel. So, they're going to drop them in into Phase Four. It's just I think what, when they're going to how they're going to introduce them with another movie. Will it be uh, in Doctor Strange? Will it be throwing him in with Spider-Man? I like the idea of putting him in the next Spider-Man movie just because they were so a part of Spider-Man's early going. I mean, the, the cover of the first issue, he tries to get into Fantastic Four. So I, I think it'll be interesting to see what direction they go. So the one the one thing, though, is what's not being congealed yet is that, you know, is there going to be like a new Avengers team? Who's the main villain? Is there going to be a main villain over the next 10 years? Right. Um, there's a couple of rumors uh, with that. The one that seems more solid at this point but it might be weird because it's Sony the one big rumor that Norman Osborn is going to be the big baddie for this generation that he buys uh, Stark's old, old building in New York City and it gets some tech and he's smart and brings in villains that's the one rumor to me the obvious one is Doctor Doom yeah because Doctor Doom is, is awesome and once you you know and, and not that Norman Osborn couldn't be a formidable villain by himself he can be but Doctor Doom is like come on yeah uh, I, in uh, I really want to see Doctor Doom done properly. Properly done well. <laughs> Third time will be the charm, but the, the, they're going to bring him in. So I don't think that we'll. I don't think we'll see a movie with the, with those characters though for at least at this point three four years. I thought they're going to try to do Fantastic Four for two thousand twenty one. Apparently not. They're not going to rush it. But there could be other, other stuff announced next month. We'll see. So any other thoughts on uh, on this stuff here? No. Um... Like I said, I think the Thor movie is honestly the one I'm looking forward to the most. Um, I don't go to see all these. All the ones that I do go see, though, I enjoy. So oh, I see all these movies. Um, I haven't seen. I still haven't seen Homecoming or Far From Home. Um, I haven't seen either Spider-Man movie. Mm-mm. Oh, okay. So I'll get there, but um, yeah, I think uh, Eternals and. Um, Thor are the ones that I'm looking forward to the most and it looks like I'm going to be waiting a while. Eternals could be the one I skip, if anything, at this point, unless this trailer looks really good. I, I don't like cosmic groups of immortal characters. This doesn't appeal to me. It's a little... It's not grounded enough. But well, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Guardians here. of the Galaxy is grounded enough. Well, they're not super-powered people. They, they're they all kind of schlubs working together. You know, that that's, that's different than... Again, stakes. If they're too powerful, what's the point? They're immortals. I mean... Then what what can harm them or what what can they struggle against? You know. Well, I'm sure that's what makes the movie interesting. Okay. <laughs> well, that was my problem with Captain Marvel at the end. It was like, okay, she just ripped through the entire squad. It's like, okay, great, awesome. Uh, I was on a boat, Ian, mm. a Friday night. Uh, shout out to uh, a guy who doesn't need a shout out, uh, Justin Rowland of uh, Rick and Morty. He's one of the co creators of Rick and Morty, and, and I didn't find out until afterwards he does the voices of Rick and Morty. When I was talking to him, I was like, oh, I, I hear a little bit of it, but I wasn't sure. I didn't want to be weird and ask him. Uh, he invited uh, James out to uh, a boat party. I was the plus one. But he was familiar with my work as well, so I was, I was kind of 
So I was like, oh, he's like, oh yeah, Pat, I know your stuff. I was like, oh, thank you, thank you for having me on a wacky boat party. I won't go into what happened on there for legal reasons, probably no, <laughs> but it was it was fun uh, to do that, and, and we had a a good time uh, there. Uh, so okay, so we're gonna start Ian with uh, Nintendo facing Nintendo faces lawsuits before, but this is gonna be an interesting one. So anyone who's had a Switch or knows anyone who's had a Switch. Um knows that the Joy-Cons can be a bit problematic, the thumbstick on the joysticks, on the detachable Joy-Cons. Um, they have an issue where they, they drift, um, <clears throat> meaning that the Joy-Con will act like it's holding in a direction uh, that it's not being held in, and if you let go of the control, your character's just going to keep moving. And it's usually like the left one more <laughs> than the right? Um, That's what I've experienced on mine. It can be the left one, but it it seems to just be any of the sticks. It's the analog sticks that are the problem, the design of them. So, yeah, I mean, depending on what you play, you're going to put more wear and tear on your left stick. So it might might break first. But it's happened with both. Um, It happens with both. So, um, Chimicles, Schwartz, Kreiner, and Donaldson Smith... (laughs) That's, that's the a, best name for a law firm. That's a that's a law. Chemically, chemically Schwartzkreiner and Donaldson Smith. It rolls right off the tongue. Um, <laughs> uh, are looking to file a class action lawsuit against Nintendo, and now they're gathering people to join the class action lawsuit. Um, so they've heard this issue in the public, perhaps. They're like, you know what? They probably had a couple of people they know talking about. Let's see if we can put something together here. Let's see if we could do something. Right. Um, it's. I think it's. I, I, I can't say that this is why um, it's coming out now, but the concern about the drift on the analog sticks, it, it's always been around, but with a Switch, the beauty thing is you just take the whole controller off and replace it with another one. I mean, you, it, it's, you know, the re- to repair your system, you just buy another controller. It's easy. Okay. With the Switch Lite, however, people are concerned because, okay, hey, if they don't get these fucking joysticks together... You know, we're buying a two hundred dollar unit. Oh, sure, I and, see and that. The joysticks are going to be crap. So people have been talking about it a lot more lately, um, ever since that was announced. And you know, this is coming out at the right time, I think, where people are noticing eh, maybe you know these aren't the best built things, and we should be a little concerned. I'm, I'm not carrying Nintendo's water, but I'm sure they figured out the issue by now. With, with, with if something was defective on that for the new ones. You know, like I and I don't know if this is even uh, all hardware or and or software because when it happened to me, it only happened to me. I want to say three or four times. Oh, it's definitely hardware. Um, uh, it's, it's definitely hardware. Oh yeah, it's a hardware thing. Okay, because when it happened, you can to, go into the you can go into your uh, your switch mm-hmm. and test your joysticks and see right where the problems are. Okay, I guess when it happened to me, um, when it started to drift, I think it happened on Breath of the Wild a couple times. I'm trying to think how I stopped it. But I, I was able to stop it. I just I can't remember how. Uh, this, this was a couple years ago. Well, keep in mind the controller oh. disconnecting and reconnecting is different than drift. Sure. No, I've drifted too. Okay. I'm just trying to say. I'm, just, I'm trying to remember how I did it. If I just like flicked the stick and fixed it, or if I probably, or if I undocked it or unconnected and reconnected it, I'm, I don't know what I did to for it to do. Probably janky jumbled the janky jumbled janky jumbled the That's, stick and okay. moved on. So this is what they this is what, what the the statement was. Uh, CSK and D have filed a class action lawsuit against Nintendo of America for claims related to alleged defects in the Joy-Con controllers that are part of Nintendo Switch game consoles. 
The complaint filed in the United States District Court for the Western District of Washington alleges that the joysticks of jo- on Joy-Con controllers are defective, leading users to experience drift issues. Specifically, the complaint alleges that the joystick on the Joy-Con controllers will automatically register movement when the joystick is not being controlled by the user and interfere with gameplay. The complaint filed on behalf of purchasers of Switches and Joy-Con controllers brings claims under various consumer protection statutes as well as various warranty and common law claims all right so obviously there's there's, this is going to go into um probably a settlement at some point i mean i don't see something like this first of all it's going to litigate for potentially years stuff like this does not get settled quickly because there's a lot of money oh yeah sure nintendo's thinking okay so the worst case scenario is we might be up to replace every single like at least one joy con for every single person who bought a switch worst case scenario obviously that's very worse that would be uh, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars mm-hmm. that's at risk. Or even the, only the people that, you know, when these things happen, I get things in the mail every now and then, oh, you're part of this class action lawsuit for an airbag uh, thing that killed a couple of people. So, you know, you get a credit for something. Or even a Gillette razor that was falsely advertised. I've gotten like a free Gillette razor in the mail. I'm like, I don't know how they found me, but they found me. You know, I feel like Doc Brown. How did they find me? Anyway, and that, there's other ones. I don't know if you ever got one in the mail. It's always says, oh, you can opt out or you're automatically put in this class. Yeah. Or if you want to sue yourself, you can always opt out of the class action. So this is how this is. If I had to put on my cap, this is how I think this is going to end up. This is going to be something where um, something's going to be sent out through, through. They're going to be able. They're going to get who bought a Switch somehow through Nintendo, through the user IDs, whatever. They'll send out a mailing and say, do you want, you know, you're going to be able to get a credit that Nintendo will supply. Uh, for whatever, $15, 20 bucks, it's not going to be like everyone's going to get a Joy-Con. It's not going to be something like that. I can almost guarantee you. It's going to be something we'll give you a partial credit or Nintendo will give you credit for a purchase. The same thing that happened with the lawsuit, remember, in the 90s uh, that Nintendo lost about the anti-monopoly thing. Everyone got like 5 or $10 off a Nintendo game. Oh, yeah. that, that was the settlement uh, with that. So so I, obviously I, I agree with something like this just because you know these Joy-Cons aren't cheap. To replace one, it's what, 50 bucks in the store, MSRP for one. Uh, of these and uh you shouldn't have to with something that that's that you know it's that integral to, to the to the product right you know uh so uh we'll see this will this will be very slow going something like this there's a ton of money at stake and there's a lot of nintendo has a you know probably bulldog lawyers on retainer that are gonna you know fight as much as i can to get this down to something reasonable they're probably gonna have to in some sort of discovery uh, show that Nintendo either knew about this or knew that there was an acceptable level of of defect at a certain percentage level. They probably have notes about that. I'm sure Nintendo knew, knew about this when these were coming out, that, oh, yeah. that there was something wrong. But maybe it's a smaller percentage. Maybe it's like 20% or 15%. Maybe they'll say that, well, it's unnecessary wear and tear over time that it's going to happen to anything. But, you know, you know what I mean? They're, this is what they're going to say. This is what they're going to argue. But they'll they'll get this to some point where it'll be acceptable for Nintendo and, and to this law firm to make some sort of money off of this, you know. Otherwise, why else is this law firm you know following this? They, they think there's going to be some sort of monetary settlement at, at some point, or you know, class action lawsuits are weird. Um, so I don't know. We'll, we'll see where this ends up. Uh, what, what do you think? You know, what you think you want to get a nice Nintendo certificate and uh, you know credited to your account to uh, buy another one? I mean, I don't know. I uh, I just hope they get it taken care of. Um, they're not going to mail out a Joy-Con to every single person. No, they're not no, going to do that. That's I, not how these things work. I, I don't care about that. I'm just no. hoping that 
I, I, my thoughts would be on that. I'm, I'm just legitimately hoping they've got the situation handled before the uh, the mini comes. Oh, out. you think you think that there's probably g- different generations they produce to these, right? You know, first generation. Like, you have a f- sure, but I, I mean, yeah. I've heard that these issues have been happening with basically all of them, even newer ones. Yeah, even newer ones. It's not just an older. So they know the drift issue. They pretty much fix after the first batch, right? No, the disconnect issue. They pretty much. Well, I mean, fix, I mean, right? I mean, disconnect. After, yeah, yeah, disconnect. They fixed that, so they figured out that, and but they supplied a, a, with the free fix to people on that. Who suggested it? You could send it in. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I never, and that that only happened to me. Uh, that happened, uh, I think, once or twice. I think that was, but that, I don't have a I don't have a first generation. I have that second batch. I didn't get mine till uh, Mario Kart came out, so I didn't get a first run. I got like a second or third run, whatever. So what, so I'm pretty I'm I'm pretty much good there. But no, yeah, I've had the drift a couple times. Uh, I've had that happen for sure. So any other thoughts? Ian, what's your legal analysis of the situation here? My legal analysis of the situation. I don't uh, know. Uh, I uh, I mean, I don't think they can legitimately be on the hook for all of it. Oh, no. Um, but I think it'll probably end up being a discount or something like that. Replace a Joy-Con for X amount or something like that. Sure. Um, I, Do you know anyone who's, who sent it back to Nintendo and get fixed? Has anyone, has anyone done that you know? Uh, for Drift? When the Switch first came out, someone I know did send it out for... Uh, not for drift to get the repair done for disconnect, but okay. not for drift. No. Okay. Is there is there any kits you can buy yourself to replace the analog? Or is I it... haven't looked into it. I know Vani has drift issues though. It's probably something on the on the board. I'm guessing then more so than the actual joystick. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Google Stadia had an AMA recently, um, where it uh, came out and bravely courageously said, "We are not a Netflix for games." Um, so Google Stadia is the game streaming service that Google is coming out with. Mm-hmm. Um, it requires the use of a Chromecast and a special controller, a Google Stadia controller. And they are promising that it will be offering um, 4K HDR streaming, 5.1 sound, exclusive discounts. This is if you do the Pro version. Um, Pro gets 4K HDR streaming, 5.1 sound, exclusive discounts, and access to some free games. Um, one free game a month, thereabouts. Destiny 2 is what it's starting. But people have had some concerns about um, Stadia since it came out. One is the absolute huge amount of bandwidth that this um, this service is going to use. Um, they were talking about how it would burn through terabytes within a couple of days. So people started to talk about it. Um, and people are one of the things that people brought up first in this AMA, not even so much the uh, download speeds, but um, Google has a bad history of releasing products and then just leaving them to die. Um, Let's see, Google Plus, that burnt, crashed and burned almost immediately. They cut that off. What else? So got here? you've got. Um, Chromecast Audio removed YouTube an- a- annotations, abandoned Louisville, Kentucky's fiber installation, dropped IoT support from Android Things, gutted its laptop and tablet division, shut down Google Allo, uh, closed its Spotlight Stories VR studio, stopped accepting new users for the Google URL shortener, shut down IFTT support, and ended both Google Plus and Google Inbox. Uh, oh, okay. This is from the uh, extremetech.com um, article on the AMA. Uh, there's a Google cemetery that lists 155 projects that Google has killed, um, as well as some statistics on its behavior. Um, I think this is something that people, or maybe people have, but I didn't notice, haven't really focused on um, with Stadia that I think is definitely worth looking at now that it's put in front of me. Uh, if this comes out and it doesn't do very well, 
what is what's the likelihood of Google sticking around to support this? Um, they say they have to, or they say they will. They mention in this article that essentially this is just how like music and you know movies move to uh, you know a, a digital streaming medium, and they're trying to say that this is just natural progression. I mean, it, it almost sounds like they're saying it will work. It has no chance okay. of failing because this is where it needs to go. But they're not the same. It's, games, it's, movies, and music are not the same. And it's not Netflix for games because you have to buy games still. Right, exactly. So it's so it's ten dollars per month for the what the regular one, and the controller is sixty nine dollars. Yes, and you have to have that controller. Seventy nine dollar controller, a seventy dollar controller that you have to have. And it's just a generic same controller that you can get anywhere else. But it's, it's and a then Google a Chromecast, one. and the Chromecast is seventy, so that's one forty. And then um, you. That's can... not built into some TVs, the Chromecast. Not that I'm aware of. I mean, if it isn't or something, that, if it is, I'm, I'm, I'm just going off of what they say you need. Okay, so that's $150 about. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me see what TVs have it built in. Some have it built in. Some TVs do have it built okay. in. Okay. Android TVs. Made by Sony, Philips, and Sharp come with Chromecast built in. Okay. So some TVs have, have, or if they're Android TVs, I think the one I have is an Android TV. Okay. So that'll have that. So you're set there at least. But you still got to buy a $70 controller. Yes. So okay. that that that's your entry. That's your entry level to buying into the, the Stadia system. They still need. They still want you to have something you need to buy. Obviously, to be able to sure. use their service. They want money back from the start, and the markup on those controllers is insane. Sure. For a seventy dollars controller, the markup is probably like three hundred percent. You want to say? So the one thing that's interesting that, and we really haven't talked about Google Stadia that much before. The reason that this is different than you know the Xbox, what Gold or you know, PlayStation, whatever else, is that with other services, when you buy a game, you can download it. You download the game. You're not downloading games with this. They're all in the cloud. Right. So the amount of bandwidth uh, can be exponential. I don't know how much bandwidth is, is being used by this stuff, but when you download something from PlayStation from their store, that that's all the bandwidth you need for that game, obviously, versus getting an update. If I download uh, Red Dead 4... That's it. It doesn't have to download or be constantly chewing up data as I play just to play, you know, that ex- experience versus streaming it. You're streaming the games here. Right. That's different. So when you take data plans into account, does your area have a data plan that's strong enough to support this? You know, and is there a cap on your bandwidth? Well, it doesn't matter because Google had the balls to come out and say this during the AMA. Google thinks ISPs will raise data caps to allow services like Stadia to function without eating all of your bandwidth. They think they will. There will be some unspecified tools and services for bandwidth management. Doranachev writes, There's a lot of great ISPs offering plans with hundreds of megabytes per second or even gigabits in no caps. And then the guy goes on to say, Which is really cute considering roughly 40% of the country, including myself, have access to exactly one ISP. I have fiber optic and I have a data cap. It's not unlimited. They don't want you chewing that up. There's no incentive for uh, Cox Cable or AT&T. That's our two of our, our, our local ones, Ian. We have a little bit of choice uh, for that, depending on where you live. I have a choice of those two, maybe a third. Uh, there's no incentive for an, an ISP, Internet Service Provider, to have an unlimited cap. Why would they do that? That's money. That's money to them. Sure. Um, why? Why would how how would Google incentivize them to have a cap? You know what I mean? Like, it, it, all you need is like the major metropolitan areas to not have 
uh, an unlimited bandwidth that's that's first of all that's cheap enough because the cost of of uh, of of fiber optic un- unlimited which would probably be the best thing even fiber optic limited that's i think i pay a hundred dollars a month plus just for internet mm-hmm. not everyone can afford that to begin with so a sure. lot of people have like you know the 20 40 plans that are good enough for most things so there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, obstacles in the way before you can even have this viable for a lot of people to even think about before you even get down to the value proposition of will this be worth it or I pay ten dollars a month and I still and for whatever is that for one or two free games or some free games at launch and I still have to buy the most popular games probably that are coming out. Yeah, it's a free game. It's a free game a month. Uh, this so it started Destiny too, um, and we still haven't seen how well it works. And Google throughout this entire AMA was unwilling to give a minimum amount of time that they would support it. So they won't even say we guarantee its support for a year. So is it, can we say this is dead in the water? I feel like it's dead in the water. We, I mean, the Apple. I can't, I can't see how anyone would. I, I just I don't know where the appeal is to anyone usually with most most bad ideas i can see the appeal somewhere i don't see the appeal here even the apple one offers uh, more than this the apple arcade one's going to apple, apple one offers download so it's it's barely it's barely it's barely similar once you had download into it it's but whatever but that's better at least so that's what i'm saying once you had download into it then it's it, it it's a completely different beast this is yeah this is ridiculous so um there's yeah. not there's the the market's not big enough to support, you know, three different major uh, gaming companies, and now you have two major streaming slash whatever subscription gaming services on top of that. It's just too much. There's and obviously, honestly, the Apple one, it, you have a lot of equity built up just from people that like Apple sure. that will say, oh, I can play on my uh, you know whatever Apple TV and also I can play them on my phone and on my tablet so there's an ecosystem built up for Apple people users won't to have to it. go out looking for the Apple thing if you have an iPhone which lots of people do and lots sure. of people continue to buy Apple's going to find a way to introduce them to their subscription service and it's going to come to the customers are going to come to them yeah and plus this is something you have to seek out and plus it has the mobile advantage where oh I can play some mobile games as well and that Google's not offering that from what I can see. And I'm still just trying to see why they think this market needs to be here. You don't own the games. Uh, you pay monthly for one free game. You still have to buy the games, even though you don't own them. There's no guarantee that it's going to uh, play smoothly or cleanly. You need internet access to play any of these games. I, there's, I don't see one single thing about Google Stadia I mean, if I'm missing something, please point it out to me. I mean, that legitimately, oh, what is supposed to be the hook? And you're missing something that's bad. That if I pay $60 for a game that I have to stream, what happens when the servers go down? Well, in two, I, three I years? feel like we just all assume. We had already. But I mean, like, let's, explicit, that up. let's explicitly yeah, say, say that. that. Yeah. We're not even worried about the games that, oh, you lose the free games, whatever. I paid, let's just say I bought four games for $240 total over a couple years. Google decides this is a bad idea and they pulled in the less plug. than a year. How do I, do I get a credit back for those games? They did not answer any of that. <laughs> that that was asked, but they did not answer. What a disaster. I'm glad we waited to talk about this. Now we have more and more of the details, and uh, it spells disaster, as Scott Steiner, Steiner would say, when you do the math. Yes, when you do the math. It's <laughs> It has a 33% chance of succeeding, but I got a 66% chance of winning because I'm a genetic freak. <laughs> All right, so Google Stadia, when is this thing, when is this going to launch again? Is this later this year? 
When is this thing launching? Do we care at this point? No. We don't care. <laughs> the CU Podcast is proud to be working with NordVPN. That's what I use to keep myself safe online. And you can, too, if you care about the privacy and security of your info. NordVPN is giving you 66% off a two-year plan when you go to nordvpn.com slash Podcast or use code Podcast at checkout. VPN stands for Virtual Private Network, and today having a VPN is more critical than ever. Why? If you're doing anything online, your information and browsing habits are out there for anyone to get a hold of. When you use NordVPN, you have access to over 4,000 super speedy servers in 62 countries, and those connections secure your information using military-grade encryption. That means your information and what you do online is nearly impossible to track. They have an app for Android phones, for for your Apple phones, your iPhones, laptop, PCs, what have you. You can connect up to six devices with one account. The folks at PC Mag made NordVPN their editor's top VPN choice. Unlimited bandwidth and a money-back guarantee. Again, get that special offer, 66% off a two-year plan. Go to nordvpn.com slash podcast or use code podcast and get going with your secure web browsing. Ian. Yes. You know, we, we like talking about gambling in video games. Sure. Via loot boxes or opening up FIFA card packs and seeing what shiny player you get for your team or now it's in the basketball games. I've opened almost uh, an entire box of 1991 WCW cards. Oh, is that gambling? Did uh, you consider that gambling or uh, no? I considered it $18 well spent. $18 well, at Comic-Con? Yes. <laughs> at, at the good old non-sports card booth? Every year, I, I almost buy the Nintendo tattoos. Every year, no, they're gone now. But, but then Frank Savaldi said they're all damaged anyway because because of the gum ruined all those tattoos, so you yep. can't even use them. Well, so. there's some other that you could use. They're all crap tattoos anyway. There's not they're not like the traditional like tattoos. They they look at like the um, the fruit stripe gum tattoos. It's essentially just a heavily heavily ink saturated piece of paper. So if you put it on something wet, the ink comes off. The point is, that it sounds yeah. like they're all they're all destroyed at this point inside the packs. So, uh, most. Most of them. Most. Well, Ian, we got off topic. We like talking about gambling and video games, whether it's uh, opening up virtual card packs or loot boxes. But uh, GTA's, GTA Online has been talking about for years now open, opening uh, a casino in their virtual playland. Well, the- they, they had a casino up there and no one knew what was going to happen with it or what it was supposed to do. It sat there for years. And it turns out that... Um, it's open as of today. It was likely going to be part of single-player content that was added that they never did because uh, Grand Theft Auto Online got so popular. It's the Diamond Casino in Vinewood. You can play blackjack, poker, roulette. You can do horse betting. So it's uh, it's an online casino. You can use it to, uh, you know, basically, uh, you can go in and you can buy chips. You can use uh, buy chips with your in-game currency, which, of course, you can also increase by real... What? You can increase in-game currency with real money. You can buy in-game currency with real-life currency to use at a gambling casino? You can then use that, 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 that money to buy chips at a casino, yes. So basically, they're trying to hide it under as many layers as possible. So to start gambling, you need you'll need to. This is from a PC gamer. You need to exchange cash for chips at cashier services. Though you'll also get five thousand right away for getting membership at the casino. This costs five hundred dollars of in-game currency. You'll also get free chips each day. The exchange rate is one chip for one dollar of in-game currency. So you can only buy. This is funny. 
you can only buy 50,000 chips at a time before a cooldown timer occurs. 50,000 chips. That's 50,000 of in-game currency money. So they don't want you to go off and just, you know, buy you know millions of whatever you built up. I don't know how long it takes to build up money through playing this game. I have no idea. But I do know this. People are going to lose a lot of their in-game currency via this gambling. Oh, sure. They're incentivized. You know why, Ian? Because you can also buy a penthouse in the Diamond Casino to hang out with. With your friends and virtually just, uh, you know, there's a spa in this, bedrooms, a private bar, a media room, and an office that you can customize. And it costs you an in-game currency. Ready? $63,548,081 of in-game currency that people will be incentivized to gamble for in this game to to get get the penthouse. Well, and I'm sure that's just the start of it. I'm sure there'll be other things you can buy in the casino. Uh, not on sale. Uh, you can get. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on here. So there are shark cards. Shark cards are how you load up your uh, Grand Theft Auto Online account with uh, the monies. Um, to the biggest one you can get is the Megalodon Shark, which of course gives you. <laughs> And of course, much like any time you're buying into something in a game, you can buy the minimum amount, or if you buy more at once, you get it for a discount. Buy more and save. So it looks like the cheapest way to get your uh, in-game currency is the Megalodon Shark card, which is $100 US and gives you $8 million uh, in-game currency. Okay. So how many people are just going to say, screw it, I'm just going to buy in real-time cash to get that penthouse? And spend Pat Math. You said eight million for a hundred dollars. Eight million for a hundred bucks. So sixty-three divided by eight equals. So it roughly costs you eight hundred dollars in real cash to get to buy the currency to get that penthouse. Jesus Christ! That's seven hundred ninety dollars. It's wild to get it. Do you think people at least partially will do that versus building up the cash to get it? I'm sure in the game it's not that easy to get $63 million. I'm sure someone out there has already done it because they have too much grinding to burn. But No, I'm sure someone out there... At, I mean, it started today. Someone already sorry, has gone pocket. out and bought the... Just yeah, bought it. Yeah. I'm sure it's out there. You're buying virtual real estate in a casino. And then you can go downstairs and play poker. We can horse bet virtually. We can we can play slots. Uh, you know. I just think it's amazing, Ian. Because they're not even trying to be subtle with this now. About you are gambling in the game... Which is fine, but the fact that they give you the option to buy the currency that you could potentially use to gamble with. Like, there's not even a separation anymore. Sure. There's not even a degree of separation here. Right. The only thing you can't do is then, like, recash out your in-game currency for money. You can't convert I'm sure if it was legal, they would have done that. Yes, probably. Because then it would just be online gambling uh, wholesale. Like, there would be... This is barely separation. That's, like, the next... Final Frontier, I think, yeah. or something like this. Do you think they would they would allow you to do that if they could? Oh, of course. Oh, yeah, why not? We're, just, we're not just running an, an online gambling operation via a video game. Of course they would. I mean, what else can you say? Like, they're just inviting... They're inviting uh, oversight. Government oversight. They are they're saying, <laughs> they are come into our... Come on. come on into our casino. Here's a drink, and now you're going to shut this down. <laughs> Come in and look at all the games. Because you don't think when they start having 
uh, up on Capitol Hill uh, when they start having talks about this, that this is not going to be one of the prime examples they're going to be using? I'm sure they will. To say, like, they're not even trying to pretend that this is enticing people via gambling, via, uh, you know, sparkly lights and things that scientifically they used in order to get you to gamble on a slot machine and having those sounds and everything keep you engaged. It's a casino! Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's fun, though. But it's a casino. <laughs> sure. <laughs> like, can I can I uh, throw away some money playing craps and then they get me a virtual buffet uh, for my time that <laughs> I've wasted all this money? I mean, I'm trying to think of a way to, to spin this positively uh, there. Who doesn't love a virtual buffet? Virtual buffet. <laughs> you get your free your free, was it your free steak card? You go ever go to <laughs> you ever go to a Vegas buffet? You get you like the one steak, the one good steak. They give you the card for it. No, nope. they give you a little yeah because they don't want you eating eight steaks. So put put them out of business. You get the one steak. Here's nice. your here's your steak slip. You get your steak. You get your prime rib or your steak, whatever. You can do that. Um, all right, cool, uh, absolutely awesome. Sixty three million five hundred thousand for uh for um to get everything in the DLC. Uh, the DLC of the penthouse and everything else and whatever else. So, okay. Uh, oh, Twitch Prime subscribers who connected their Rockstar Social Club accounts before the 19th get $1.5 million off any penthouse. Oh, nice. So you can pick up the most basic one for free. Okay, so $63 million is to get the biggest one with all the bells and whistles. There are cheaper ones. I see. Okay. The fact remains, though, Ian, that there are people that want everything in that penthouse. Oh, yeah. They want the stripper pole. They want the jacuzzi. They want everything. Is there a stripper pole? Probably. Probably. Can, can you hire hookers for your penthouse? I'm guessing you can. It's GTA. Most you can likely. probably do that. All right. Anything else to add to this? This is... This is uh, nah, it's just weird. This is peak uh, video game loot boxing and, 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 and gambling here. All right. Ian. Patrick. We got a small polymega update. We haven't really discussed a lot about this because, honestly, at this point, we just like this thing to, to come out and be on the market for us to actually talk about this versus hypotheticals so the polymega as if you didn't know it's a it's a modular uh retro game system based off of emulation uh where you buy the core unit for i think it's 300 dollars that has a the, the, you know the cd uh, disc based uh system with uh, a handful of emulators for like uh, sega saturn and sony playstation turbo graphics cd etc Sega CD, and then you buy the modules to snap on uh, to there to play Super Nintendo or Sega Genesis or NES, things like that. So the TurboGrafx-16 slash PC Engine module called the Turbo Element module set. Uh, Turbo now, Element? It's Turbo. It's okay. the Element module set, but it's Turbo is the name. Oh, okay. So it, it's been announced that's going to include uh, uh, some games with it. So, so built-in games, as I guess the other systems have as well. I guess they're, they're licensing out some games uh, here and there. So we've got Double Dungeons, Shockman, Moto Rotor, Moto Rotor Two, and uh, Dragon Egg coming with it. Um, it's a kind of a weird lineup, um, especially since if you could get Shockman, you could probably get Shockman Two. Uh, there's no English version of that though. That is Shockman too. Anyways, there's better versions <laughs> of Shockman. That's right. That is Shabibin Man too. Um, Motor Rotor is fun. Dragon Egg is great. Never got a US release. Never it's played. It's a fantastic it. game. What type of game is that? Is it a platformer? Yeah. Or is it yeah. Action platformer. Okay. Um, I don't know. Weird choices. It was like they got this library offered to them, and they said, "Okay, here we're gonna take it." These are not exactly like iconic turbo games. No, these aren't. These aren't system sellers. I, I would say, first based based upon it. like Motor Rotor. If you, you like it, I remember playing it once. That was an early racing game. Overhead, right? 
uh, racing game. Uh, Double Dungeons, uh, that's a dungeon crawler for two players. Is that so like the it's dungeon? a first-person dungeon crawler, but it can actually split screen and be that's played right. by two people. That can, go, that can go independently. Yeah, it's bizarre. So it's interesting. So it's just so it's a little bonus uh, here. Um, so this is going to cost $60 for the module. Keep in mind, for the base unit, like I said, it's $300 if you didn't get I think, the early bird by now. So um, what do you think about them even including these? Obviously, it's cool to have a bonus, but obviously no one's going to buy these just for the pack, packing games. They're not iconic enough. Yeah, I don't think they are. Um, I mean, any sort of bonus is nice. Sure. I'll try to be as realistic as I can here, as reasonable as I can, because sometimes I can get crabby. Um, no, not us. Um, not you. Any sort of bonus is nice. I don't mind the Moto Rotor games. Double Dungeons is neat for what it is. It's just, it's not very good. It's just, it's there. Shockman is fun. Um, Shockman is fun. And Dragon Egg is great. So these are good games. And those, those are two of those are kind of like well known deep cuts on the, on the library. Uh, but I just. I don't know. It doesn't seem like there was rhyme or reason to picking them. What do they have on the other uh, modules? Uh, okay, I'll, I'll look, Ian. I wish I was prepared. Uh, let's check them out. Pre-order. Uh, let's see. Go to the pre-order view bundle. Uh, Christ. The website's a little weird to navigate here. Let's check the super set. Let's check the Genesis set. And we'll check that. You have to go to the pre-order page and scroll down here. Um, you get on the SNES one. You get Dragon View, uh, North American version, Legend, uh, Gourmet Warriors, which didn't come out here, but I guess they got a translated version. That's a beat 'em up. Uh, Pushover, the PAL version, Super Draken, Japanese version, Top Gear Two, uh, the Japanese version. I'm not sure why it went into the North American one. Um, and then you also get the Japanese version of Gourmet Warriors. Weird. Okay. So you get that's what is that? That's six games. Six games. One, two, three. Yeah, it's six games. Okay. It's a weird selection of stuff. It is. And I actually like Dragon View and Draken, but that's a... That's kind of, just kind of a weird, eclectic yeah. mix of I guess, stuff they can get the license to. Cheap. Right. Uh, the Genesis Bundle, the Power Module. Oh, no, that's the NES one is Power. Okay, this, the names are screwing me up. Uh, you get Eight Eyes. We love playing Eight Eyes on the Marathon. <laughs> Nightshade. Target Renegade. It's not terrible, but okay. Power Punch 2, closer to terrible, but it's it's all right. And then Treasure Master. If that isn't the most wily group of NES games you've ever heard, how did we not cover this before? <laughs> Can you think of a weirder list of games that are all entirely different and are on anyone's, like, I gotta play them NES list than that? Treasure and those Ma- are all, like I said, not, Target Renegade is not terrible. I like Eight Eyes for what it is. Nightshade's goofy if you get into it. It's fun. That's just the weirdest list I ever saw. And then Power Punch 2? Power Punch 2 is absolute trash. And, uh, and, um, fucking, what was the last one? Treasure Master. Treasure Master is just unplayable. It's just a goofy platform. Right. I mean, you can play it. Sure. But, but it's just, a, that's a weird list. Now, okay, here's the Mega Module. This is the Genesis ones. Already? Uh huh. All right. I don't know what some of these are. I only know what a couple of these are. Uh, Tin Head. Yeah. Top Racer 2, Japanese version. Mm, don't know. Sword of Sodan, there we go. Yeah. EA, rough classic, but I like it because it's bloody and goofy. It was a PC game as well, I believe. Uh, Brave Battle Saga, Legend of the Magic Warrior. No? 
And then Water Margin. It's a funny name. Water Margin, A Tale of Clouds and Wind, North American version. I guess these are translated Japanese games. I'd never heard of these games. Water Margin? Water Margin, A Tale. That has to be a translated title. Water Margin, A Tale of Clouds and Winds. If that's not an RPG, what is that? What is that? You're studying the, the water supply of a city somewhere? Water Margin. It's on Steam. The Tale of Clouds and Winds. For $10. It's a beat em up. Oh, it's a beat em up. Okay. Okay, that's a that's a list. And then uh yeah. So we have the Super one, the the Genesis one, NES one, and then the Turbo one. We have the five. Uh, it looks like the water margin is like a homebrew. It's a homebrew. Oh, okay. Yeah. I never heard of that North American version. Okay. So I, I so I'm still tentatively excited for a disc system. The modules, I don't know about the modules, I'll be honest. Um, if the disc system comes out and gets good reviews, uh, we'll see. I think $300 is pricey, though, for that, being that you know these FPGA consoles are $200, you know, and that's FPGA. Yeah, uh, I think it's a bit much. It's a bit much. If it was $200, it would be closer to uh, leaning towards yes. I'm leaning towards no at $300. And uh, I just want this to come out because we don't, still don't know if this is going to come out until it's out. So come out, and then we can talk about it for sure. Now we're just advertising for free, basically. Yep. All right. Done with it. All right. Uh, what's give me next? One second. My fucking my internet crashed. All right. Well, Ian. Yes. The next topic we don't need the internet for. Oh. Necessarily. So, um, literally yesterday before the podcast last night, I, I put up uh, we put up the uh, the the podcast topic on YouTube. You know, this is an audio podcast as well. YouTubers out there, YouTube fans. Uh, we talked about the $22,000 auction for Super Mario Brothers, uh, the original initial sticker seal release. Yes. So there I am at Comic-Con, walking around on, uh, this was on uh, Saturday, Saturday morning, walking around, and um, there's, you know, I, my favorite part of Comic-Con, besides the comics, if you go north of the comics, all like, you know, you have a, a few toy aisles, you have some artists selling little... You mean like the... Back, back right. right yeah 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 you have people that make little i bought a little plush little quilted little kitty cat it was cute little 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 mocha colored cat it was adorable um and then you know some toy people and then every once in a while those toy people i'd say like it's usually like a handful will have some retro games uh out there last year someone had like a bunch of nes games in like these sealed cellophane packs just the cartridges it was weird to see that they had mm-hmm. them like almost like blister packed uh it was weird um so I always look for like G.I. Joe's and I look for I still look for He-Man figures I love I love looking for that stuff with Pixel Dan I found that my favorite thing I didn't buy I should have was the pack-in Karate Kid uh, referee with the mustache from the they had they had the playset the tournament playset nice. and no one had Karate Kid figures they were hard to find they were I think Remco figures who made like the who made like the like uh, Rambo figures and like the AWA figures they were like not widely distributed as much as the other ones you know they weren't like GI Joes but anyway so I like looking for this stuff yeah but I don't like buying toys just because I have no room for even the games and all the shits in the garage right but eventually I like to display some of it especially GI Joe stuff so one seller I looked down and the seller that I think I bought almost every year at least something from um, they had some some NES games. And I just noticed it uh, just because I think the day before I looked, they weren't there. It was like a shoebox of about 20 games, Super Nintendo, NES. I, I noticed there was a Monopoly in the box uh, uh, sitting there. But then I then I, I looked up and I noticed uh, you know a kid about you know, 21, 22 was holding a game. He was holding the Super Mario Brothers mm. in the box. <laughs> so I'm like, that's not a big deal. But then I looked and I squinted and I saw in the front, I saw 
you know, the little sticky residue on the front. <laughs> and I'm like, that's a sticker seal, Super Mario Brothers. So I'm looking at it, I'm like, that, that's, that's, that's potentially the first release, because they had a second release with a different cluster or whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, so I'm looking at it, I'm like, I think that's a Super Mario Brothers. And there was a sticker on it for $40, a green sticker. Mm-hmm. So he looked at it, he was just looking at it, he probably was looking at it more of curiosity. Oh, this is original Super Mario Brothers. Like, I'm 20 years old. I didn't grow up with this. This is interesting. He put it down, and I'm like, da, da, da. I pick it up, and I'm like, and I look at the back of it, and I'm like, oh, this is the first release. So, yeah, it's beat up, but at Comic-Con, Pat got an original release, Super Mario Brothers. And the ways you can tell is that, yeah, there's a sticker. You see, it's all curled up in the top here, the sticker. Mm -hmm. There's a sticker. There's a sticker residue, obviously. There's a hang tab. They actually put a plastic one, you know, they hung it up like, probably like KB Toy Store or KB City. Um, the, The one way you can tell, Ian... Usually here it'll say like Game Pack, you know, Super Mario Brothers would be like a code here. Yeah. The first release doesn't have that under under the red Nintendo. Uh-huh. That's how you tell for sure. So Pat picked up a beat up copy of something that auctioned for twenty two thousand uh, dollars a week or two ago. Now this is again this isn't a good condition. This has been tenderly cared for and loved. This is like a two point five out of ten. <laughs> this is not a six point But it's interesting just because, like I said, this stuff is while this stuff is is harder to find this isn't like extremely rare stuff this isn't like a stadium events this isn't like an nwc gold you can still find this stuff uh, out there uh again uh this is a box that most people threw out and they probably didn't make if they want to say they made more than ten thousand of these or fifteen thousand probably not for the for the test market you know because they only made like a hundred thousand uh nes consoles right. for that test market so they wouldn't have made even fifty thousand super mario brothers they probably they probably made as many clue clue lands Ian uh, <laughs> for the test version, so um, I'm I'm gonna hold on to it because I thought I had it at one point and honestly Ian, over the past twenty years of collecting I've had multiple Super Mario Brothers in the boxes and I might have had one in so long because I thought it was beat up. It's a possibility. The ones I have <laughs> on the shelf I have the second release which again is the same exact hang tab, um and um no sticker seal though and that's in great condition and i had the third release which is the one most people had where that's they went to a three screw and they got rid of the hang tab so i have those on the shelf over there so now i got the first release so i'm happy about that it's part of gaming history i guess in a way you know pump up the importance and in 30 years pack and sell it for uh for uh, you know my midlife crisis car which i'll be actually midlife is coming soon midlife is well if i'm gonna be dead at 70 i'm past midlife at this point or at it uh, but I, I, I might i might hit 70 We'll so, um, any thoughts? I, mean, I know you don't get find do finds like this. I mean, usually the one that, that that's uh, you know, I don't find dinosaur peaks at the the, the uh, swap meet. I don't find extremely rare stuff usually. Uh, it's you not know. to be mean. I just I feel nothing about this. Your your heart's just like whatever. It's fine. What, yeah. you, what would you sell it at Luna for? For fifty bucks? Would you even put a higher value on it in this market or no? I have no idea. I'd have to look at it because it's stupid to let people take advantage of you by buying it way under and then flipping. But I don't. I just, God, I don't care about collecting you don't video care? games <laughs> anymore. <laughs> it's neat. It's neat because it's, it's the first one, and that's uh, oh, the funny. The funny thing about, about it was it was a three screw inside of it, so obviously someone pieced it together at some point. Uh, so, oh. but I have the five. <laughs> I, have, I have the five screw in another box. Why'd it's, you it's admit a, that it's not one hundred percent authentic? You're ruined. They're not matched up, eating like I'm, serial codes. I no know. shit. The manual was in pretty good shape. Was it? Yeah, it was. But uh, anyway, so um, I just think it's it's funny. Uh, by the way, the the, NE, the NES card, the three scrolls in there had like an H in the bottom, right? It was almost like a rental or something. It was like an H, little H square sticker. It was weird. 
But anyway, but that wasn't the proper. The three screw wasn't until like 80, 87 uh, for that. Anyway, so I guarantee you, you know, I'm going to get like at least one uh, one uh, email probably <laughs> offering to buy it. Because <laughs> again, they're building up that market that, well, if it went sealed for 100 grand, and I think the one that went for 100 grand was actually the second sticker, not the first one. I, I went back and looked. Um, this was a little bit later. So if that went for 100 grand, then, you know, and then a 6.0 went for 22 grand, they're trying to establish a market in each each sort of you know degree at, at each level for this yeah. is like if this is like a 2.5 or a 3 this will be whatever you say it is but i guarantee you i, I could have walked over and sold this to one of the people there they would have taken it on or i could have consigned it to heritage auctions right there if it was graded i'd have to get it graded first right should i get it graded Ian, or no should i just go old school and not grade it i mean i would just keep it i would keep it and then get rid of it when you get rid of all the other stuff you have too much of <laughs> But I want to keep my Super Mario Brothers. This is this is yeah, the, keep that. This is the, going to be the action comics they say of video games. Action comics number one. Okay, you're an action comic. Would you have bought this if you saw it? If you noticed it? Or no, you don't care. No, I would not have bought it. You really wouldn't have. Well, even the potential potentially flip it for several thousand dollars, you wouldn't have done that. Mm. Maybe. I mean, maybe you got, you, got, you got some you got some student loans. But at the same point in time, I I don't I don't you, know that I would have noticed. Oh, you don't think you would have noticed what he said? No. Oh, it's just a black box game. Black box game. It's interesting. Like I said, I haven't had a, a fine like that in uh what's the last time I had a fine like that where I found I something know. hard to find? I, I, it doesn't happen to me. Trust me, most of my games I paid a lot for, like the hard to find ones. I didn't find my magical chase for twenty bucks or ten bucks. That happens to my friends. Oh yeah, I got oh I got little Samson to swap me for ten bucks with the manual. No, that never happened to me. It happened to other <laughs> people I knew. Pat never got lucky on that stuff. I guess I I deserve a win every now and then. Why not? All right. Ian Patreon. How do you how do you access the Patreon? Patreon.com slash CU podcast. Yeah, did I do it? Okay, that is right. I thought it was wrong. Wow. Patreon.com slash CU podcast. And uh, you can check out all of the things that we offer. We will dance for you. We will dance? We will dance for money. You are our patrons. And we will do the things you ask. Uh, I mean, Ian's, we'll do the things that you sign up for. Ian's so. got to write a write a still uh, yes. a summary of, of Comic Con. I have Wait to on do that, a Comic Con summary. Uh, we'll do that as soon as I get out of here today. So the the Patreon poll topic of the week, which you can vote on, uh, in third place, what would your ideal game collection consist of if price was no object? Again, nineteen percent, almost neck and neck. At twenty one percent, when will GameStop stop accepting PS three, three sixty, Wii and Wii U game systems for trade? Twenty one percent. These actually aren't bad topics, but the past couple of weeks they've been very personal uh, topics that have been chosen. That at number one at sixty percent, and I put this in because it was a uh, it was a uh, uh, on Twitter. And I thought it was interesting. Is Pat still a gamer if he generally doesn't play video games for fun anymore? Ian, is Pat still a gamer if I generally don't play video games for fun anymore? I mean, to the letter, yes, I guess. To the spirit, no. What is the spirit of being a gamer? What's the spirit of being a gamer, Ian? Playing them for fun. You don't think I've played games for fun in the past year? Even for the book, it wasn't fun to play F-Zero or play on It Super might Mario have World been, but whenever I suggest you play games for fun, you say you have no time. So forgive me for thinking you never play games for fun and only for work. Well, it, you, it can be both, though. Like, if, I, if I'm playing Super Mario Kart uh, for, for a review book or, or if I'm playing uh, Super Mario All-Stars and streaming it, but I'm still... You know, doing it because it has to go in the book. Well, that's fun. Then just tell the people right here, right now. Do you still play games for fun? Yeah, yeah, no. I do. There you go. It's fun. There you go. You don't always have to say that every game you play is a chore or it's for work. I don't say every game I play is a chore. I don't say that. 
Don't say that. You do play, I? Then you play games for fun. That's I do? what I need to say. But you need to pro, pro, you need to project that onto people. Okay. People get the impression that you play video games because you hate them. Whoa! Wait a second, Ian. That's you projecting your thoughts on other people's it's, projections. It's actually, it's just called exaggeration. Okay. People, I, why would I people, play games because I hate them? No, people think you. People don't think you who's play the games for fun anymore. Who's the people? The people out there. The people who talk to you. The people who get at you in the comment section. You always complain when you're playing games. So talk about playing games for fun. Play. Talk about a game you played recently that you had a great time with that wasn't for work. All right, I'll let you know when I get to that. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> yes, you're still a gamer, I guess. If you I am a gamer. Be a gamer. Well, he, he's turning this. Be a gamer. He's turning this to the, the let's harangue Pat segment of the podcast. And I was I was trying to answer an innocent question. And I'm just saying, people would think that you played games for fun if you mentioned if you sometimes mentioned that you played games for fun. I have played games for fun though. Okay. I bring up my old my old war stories of playing Unreal Tournament and things of that We're nature. We're talking about modern times. That's modern times. No, 2007. It's not. No, that's 20 years ago. That's 10 years ago. Okay. My, my competitive Unreal days probably ended like 2008. <laughs> 2008? Yeah, before I moved. I was playing, uh, you know. I thought war. you were here already. In 2009, I came here. 2009. I stopped playing Unreal Tournament in 2009. Mm. I played it, I think when I first moved here, I played a little bit. I was like, I, I, my job was killing me when I moved here. So I, I, I stopped doing it. There. It was. It was murdering you. It was mur- murdering me. It was murdering. I should yeah. I should have murdered people uh, <laughs> that I worked with. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I'm a gamer still. That's like to me, that's weird. It's like saying, uh, are are you an athlete if you don't like the sport you're playing? It's like, yeah, you're still an athlete. Are you still a martial artist if you're not enjoying, you know, the training sessions and getting beat up by people? Yeah, you're still a martial artist. Absolutely. That's kind of a weird semantic semantical semantical question. Semantic semantical. It's weird that anyone cares. And even if I didn't, let's put it this way. Even if I didn't enjoy playing the games, the service that's being provided over the over the millennium via a certain NES guidebook and having a resource guide <laughs> is well worth my... I'm sacrificing from you. So don't worry about my enjoyment. Generations down the line will get the enjoyment of learning about uh, a game such as Wallaby Bear and the No, no Game they wouldn't have heard of. You know, they, 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 what they, game? Oh, Wallaby Bear and, and the No game. game that gets written about. Or, or, or a game like, uh, I don't know... Uh, what was that Super Mario Kart ripoff on on the Super Nintendo? I should know that, but I didn't review it. Uh, it's not Speed Racer; it's a Street Racer. Street Racer, exactly. So the g- generations have to know about that. So let Pat suffer. I will be the I will be the martyr for you all uh, for the future. You can say thank you, Pat. Thank you, Pat, for not enjoying uh, playing these games. If you want to do that? All right, that's the Patreon poll topic. patreoncom podcast. All right. Uh, Street Racer doesn't look the worst. No, it's not bad. It's not bad at all. It's funny. I've only seen the PlayStation version, which I guess is more or less the same. Q&A time on the CU podcast. This is from uh, at uh, Sandino... Sandino Net? What was the first online game you played? And detail in your thoughts from your experience, your online friends, community, etc. Ian, what was the first online game you played? So after thinking about it, I think it really does go all the way back to, because um, I'm pretty sure this would have been before Doom, um, original Doom. Um, Sierra used to have an online um, network. An online network. They call it the, I think it's Sierra Online Network. I think it was they? just Sierra. Yeah, I think yeah. it was just Sierra Online Sierra Network. Online. So for those who uh, I guess you know always Sierra grew up with okay. the, for those who always grew up with the internet back you know back in the early '90s late 80s and early 90s Sierra Network there okay. were um, 
there were, you know, it wasn't like you just joined the internet. You could go through AOL, you could go through Prodigy, you could go through CompuServe. There was all of these little um, uh, there were hubs. services, hubs that you could sign up for. Yes. And they had their own self-contained usernames and profiles. And they had um, their own little forms and little forms, chat, chat rooms. rooms. Basically, they were very yeah. unique. It was like they were like libraries. They had like little areas. Oh, here's the sports th- stuff. Here's right. the... And there was people who wrote know. for them. And, you yeah. know, it, it was it was... Yeah, it was it was odd. They were there's a hobby section. They were very self contained, um, but the Sierra Network was one um, run by um, Sierra Games, the creator of all those like uh, point and click adventure games, King's Quest series, all of that stuff, and uh, it actually had games that you could play with other people, huh. um, with other people. So I remember playing like a little like uh, like reversey type game, but it, it looked like fancy. You know, it was like. You know, funny graphics. The faces were like silly, but it was like Othello, essentially. Um, you could play Red Baron uh, online. The okay. Flight Sim, you could play Red Baron now, online. Th- that was a free game included with the network. Yes, that was included. I do remember that. That was so, included with the so network. Real quick, there was the... a lot of little games that were included okay. with the network. So essentially, it was like an AOL, but but there was all sorts of games you could play with people. Was that when they became the Imagination Network? They had the, the Red Barons. I remember the advertisements for that. Yeah. Yep. Imagination so, so they became network. the Imagination Network after they were bought. According to to Wikipedia, that was ninety four. Okay. Before that, they were just the Sierra uh, Sierra uh, Network. Then they became the Imagination Network, and that's when they started. Like they would start including when you bought a Sierra game, they would include like the little disc for yep. it, right? Yeah. That's okay. Now I remember that. So we're talking like mid nineties was when when you had this, like ninety four, ninety five ish around there. Yeah, but that's not even true because I remember I played before like, that. Okay. I played um I played one of those uh, muds or whatever it was on my, one of my dad's BBSs. Okay, so that going back before that's that. like so like late eighties. So I mean, I guess if you really just like that's, was that ASCII? Yeah, that was ASCII. That so was you all ASCII. ASCII dungeon games and stuff um, like that. So yeah, that's about that's about it though. Was so there, right so around there, it, it's like it was that sort of stuff. The the you know the the muds, um, imagination, and Sierra Network, and uh, Doom had to have come out somewhere in there. And I definitely played Doom online. Doom was ninety three. Okay, then Doom might have Doom. It probably went BBSs. Then it probably went Doom. Then it probably went Sierra. But I'm just trying to think of the first thing but, that jumped into my so, mind. So, like, do you remember any community or any friends you would play with that regularly in any of this stuff? Or no, it was just random people. It was just whatever BBS as my dad was on in, gotcha. you know, Western New York. Oh, I don't know. rich kid had BBS in the '80s. Okay. Um, all right. So uh, I didn't get the internet until '93 or '94. We got AOL around there. I think it was. I think it was before high school. So I want to say '93. Because by that point we had bought the CD-ROM drive, the the Sound Blaster 16 back, which pack, which had the Sound Blaster 16 card, which was one up from the regular Sound Blaster card. Yep. It was like the medium level Sound Blaster card, um, and then we it had the CD-ROM with it, and then it had all like the you know Iron Helix and Dennis Miller's That's Geek to Me a disc, and all those games. It had the the Microprose four pack, which had Civilization sitting there, which I didn't play for two years, unfortunately, because I'm dumb and didn't realize what that was at the time. And Stealth Fighter, so we got that around ninety. I want to say early ninety three, late ninety two. We got that. Not, by ninety two, we got that. That's when we got our first new, uh, uh, not even Pentium, our four eighty six uh, thirty three. Wasn't mm. even a Pentium. There was Pentium was like the two levels above what we had. So my dad. Got the bare bones, so we we got uh, we got AOL, which which gave you online access as well, obviously. And then I did play a little bit of Doom. I do remember Doom. I don't know who I connected to. It's just a host modem, like dial I, dial direct dial. It must have been honestly. It was, it was probably talking to my friend on the phone. Like, oh, it's connect like connected yeah. connected their number, right? Mm-hmm. Is that yeah, what you, did? Could, you could literally yeah. just 
call. I think that's what we did. Otherwise, yeah, there was no there's no way to play with random people. I don't remember. No. Was there? So I did I that. Mean, not, not, not immediately yeah. early on. No. So that was like eighth grade. Okay. That was like late 93, early 94 we did that. And, th- and we did that with the shareware version, I think. I don't think I had the full one yet. Uh, you could that. definitely use the shareware. Yeah, yeah. Shareware so version. that was my very first experience. That was just kids I went to Catholic grade school with. We were playing Doom. You know, it was just fun. It was just, you know, one-on-one. Uh, probably, probably the rich kid uh, that I knew. Uh, but what I really remember playing was uh, Warcraft 2, the Tides of Darkness multiplayer. Mm. And that was through, they had an interface to connect to random people. And there was also a friends list, I believe. You, I believe there was a friends list in-game. And that wasn't using, like, uh, Battle.net or whatever the precursor of the Battle.net was or GeekSpy or whatever. I, 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 that was that's what I'm trying that. to remember. I, that's what I'm actually there was Because a, there was a Battle.net Warcraft, but I didn't have that. I had the original Warcraft right. too. There was also a Doom client that was, that was really popular for um, matching up Doom games, and I can't remember what the hell it was called now. But, but you remember the Battle.net edition yes, of Warcraft yes. 2, right? Uh-huh. Which I guess made it, they had, they had the built-in better interface. But I didn't have that. I, there was still random connection. So I played, you know, you played just, you pick a map. There was, there was, and you could pick any map you want, I believe. And then you pick number of players. I think it was up to four players of Warcraft 2. I think it was up to four definitely wasn't eight i think it was four uh players i recall eight but i don't i didn't play a whole lot of it okay i i, I want to say it was at least four and then you know you picked if you wanted to be your if you which side you want to be on uh, my name was buff peon that was my avatar name uh i was buff peon uh peon was the lower you know grunt worker uh for the orcs i like being the orcs versus the humans um, and then you just play. And you, I, I remember seeing the same people every now and then. Maybe it was local or, or, or from the same region. I don't remember anyone's name, but I remember uh, we said no grunt rushes. That was the rule because what people would do was that they would they would build their barracks as soon as possible and just pump out the orcs, uh, pump, pump out the orcs, and that's it. The grunts and just throw them at you and then overwhelm you. So we had like a time limit. Like hey, you can't attack for like ten minutes. We had we had to, we had to like police ourselves because it wasn't fun. Sure. There was no strategy. You couldn't even build anything else, really, um, and do that, and then mine gold and stuff. And that was my first experience, and, and it was fun. The one thing, someone got me early. I must have been, what, 14 or 15. They did, they, 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 they did the whole trick. Oh, you can uh, you, you speed up your connection by, by hitting, uh, what was it, Shift F12, which I think jumped you out of the game. Oh, yeah. So that worked on me one time. <laughs> that worked on me one time. I was like, oh, okay, I'll try it. Is it Shift F12 or something? That, like, it closes closes it out. So I did that one time. Might have been you, Ian. Might have been you that did that to, to plucky 14-year-old Pat. Might have been. 15-year-old Pat. But uh, no, that was my early experiences. It was, it was, you got more fun out of the enjoyment that you could just do it. It was just a new concept still. So, oh, yeah. I can just connect to someone I can't see that is in the same room playing Warcraft or playing Doom. It was just like a weird playing sort of... Playing 1v1 Deathmatch Doom was miserable. It wasn't fun at all. That game was not made for no. that. No. But... Duke Nukem was more fun. I remember playing Duke Nukem as well, but that was a little bit later. Uh, but uh, it was still that... just the fact that we could do you it. You could do it. Yeah. The fact that you could see Doom Guy. Like, oh, that's the that's me. Like, you, Or not you, but you, that's what you look like. You don't know what he looks like because you never see him in the game. Uh, you know, just things like that, and then shooting a rocket launcher at him, and everything's on target automatically. Mm-hmm. It's just—it was just a weird experience be- because um, it was more like a proof of concept. The fact that you can do it made it fun. The actual experience, right? Exactly. The fact that the experience itself wasn't as good, and, and actually, and actually, games the, didn't need to be good online for a little and, while yet. They just had to be unique. And, and, and we—I can't remember if I had a twenty-eight-eight or fifty-six K, fifty-six-six modem at the time, but the lag wasn't terrible on Doom. Warcraft for once in a while it would jump, but it was playable. 
Yeah, it was I mean, playable. I mean, they made it to fit the technology they had. Yeah. It was totally they're, playable. They're I, never had, I never had any issues. Yeah, you would get kicked out every now and then, but like it was, you could play games, and, and it, were, it wasn't like terrible. Like now, if it lags off a little bit with first-person shooters, you can't play them. But it was fun. All right, well, that, that's a good q and I, I feel happy thinking about Buff Peon. I won't, I won't tell you what my record was. It probably wasn't the greatest playing Warcraft, you know. Buff Peon. What are you doing? You're, you're, you're growing there, Ian? You're stretching up there? Uh, that, that's good for this CU podcast. We'll hold off on the other Q&A uh, there. We can shelve it. We can shelve it. That'll be a fun one. That's that's a semi-Tales from the Game Store Q&A. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll save that for next week. We'll save that one. All right. Well, I'll bring back some store talking in a way next week. We'll, we'll answer a store question. We're going to be at conventions coming up soon. Pat's going to be at the Missouri Game Con August 3rd. And then we're going to both be at the Long Island... Uh, Retro Gaming Expo, August 10th and 11th. Woo! We're going to get some Long Island pizza. Eh, come on. You want a slice? Get you a slice. Eh? Come on. Hey, Tony! Actually, I'm going to be eating White Castle. White Castle? You miss White Castle? I never had White Castle. You never even had like the, the ones in the store? They I've sell? had the frozen ones. They they taste they taste eerily similar. Like, it's the same thing. Uh, I'm into it. But uh, I've never they, been to the actual place. Okay. I think I was once to the actual White Castle. My dad went there. Get those sliders. Just slide on through you. Going to get real. Are they call them sliders or no? There no, they're called sliders because they come in a little box and it slides oh, that's out right. of the box. And they slide through your intestinal tract. But I used to think that joke as well. So I because mean. they are a little greasy. They are a little greasy. White Castle. That is. I always forget that's an East Coast thing. Like they're not world. They're not uh, nationwide. Yeah, they're not everywhere. That's really strange. And they're not everywhere anywhere. Like they're not like in every town. It's like well, no, they're in New- like. I mean, that's well, the thing. I grew up in Buffalo, New York. They're in New York. They're just not in Buffalo, New York. Well, I mean, I mean, even in New Jersey, I could find one, but it's not like Burger King, McDonald's that are like in every city. Like you have to drive to one. Yeah, the like clo- 15, 20 minutes. Like if you wanted to go to a White Castle in Buffalo, your quickest one to drive to was in Cincinnati, I believe. Oh wow. Yeah, or Cleveland. Cleveland. Okay. All right. Because I had friends who did it. It's like friend, it's like coming on like friendlies of fast food. They're like they're around. He's got to find them. Yeah. All right. So for Ian Ferguson, I'm Pat Contry. Take care, everyone. We'll see you in a weekish time. We'll see you soon.